0: Good morning. There you go. So, we're on week five of uh, this series that's called Gifted, looking at how God has wired us. And if you were here last week, there was such an amazing time after the service or at the end of the service where those people who had the gift of prophecy, those who had the gift of encouragement, they prayed for and they ministered to and they encouraged many of us who came down who needed encouragement. Just a beautiful moment as God did stuff in different people. And that's the reason why God gives us these gifts, so that we can build up each other in what he's called us. So these superpowers, if you like, that's why God's put them inside us, to help the kingdom advance. And so the sixth superpower, the sixth gift that we're looking at today from Romans chapter 12 is the gift of generosity. So let's read Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. We have different gifts, Paul says, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Now, money can be quite a sensitive topic in church. And I think we all appreciate that giving is so much more than money. It's about our time. It's about our energy. It's about our affection and love and just having a heart that wants to bless other people in some way. Money is a topic that generates lots of different emotions in people. And it affects every one of us because we need it to buy food and to put petrol in and to pay the bond, etc., etc. So it's So it's something that we're living with every single day And just like every one of the gifts we've looked at so far, if this gift is at the bottom of your list, if you've done that online assessment, it's always going to be harder for you if that's the one at the bottom. But we all know that we have all these gifts in some measure. And so we have to, no matter what level we have it, it's our job, it's part of our calling to grow that gift and make it stronger. Some people might feel uncomfortable when the pastor talks about money. And you probably wish, if that's you this morning, that Paul had rather spoken about the gift of receiving than the gift of giving. All of us have got the gift of receiving, hey. There's no need to grow that gift, am I right? (laughs) We all have it. And my aim this morning is not to make you feel uncomfortable. I appreciate that you might have come from a different church or different church background. Maybe in that church they spoke about money a lot. Maybe the pastor there abused it. I don't know what your background is, but my aim is to inspire us in this gift of giving. Paul says we are to give generously. When he wrote to the Corinthian church, he says to them, excel in this grace of giving. In other words, achieve well, excel, do excellently. In other words, it's a gift that we can grow. Yeah? And then he says the grace of giving. It, it takes the grace of God to give because it's not natural to part with our stuff. Am I right? Our time, our energy, our love, dot, dot, dot. It doesn't come naturally. But let's look at a definition. How would we define the gift of giving? Well, being generous and resourceful with time, money, and care. It's the habit, not the occasion, it's the habit, of giving freely without expecting anything in return. If you've got this gift of giving, God's probably blessed you with an ability to produce wealth plus a generous spirit you're wanting to give to people. And it requires both faith and generosity. Faith because you need to understand and be convinced that God's my provider and it's okay for me to give away My time, energy, wealth, because he's ultimately the one who's provided it in the first place. You might have the ability to make money, but your heart is not fixated on money and wealth and stuff. Your heart is in heaven where your ultimate treasure lies. People who have this gift are often highly ethical. They manage their finances well. They'll often limit their standard of living that they can increase their standard of giving. They're able to prioritize their needs over their wants so that they're in a position to be able to give. We found often with little things like paying car guards, if we are prepared, if we've changed a note and got coins in the car, it's so easy to give because you're prepared, you're in a position to give with a cheerful heart. But when you haven't prepared and then there's a car guard right behind you, you, you feel like you're under pressure, you feel like they're Manipulating you or making you feel bad, but when you're in the right position to give, it's so easy to give if you're prepared. So this morning, I'm not wanting to go into lots of detail or practical things, but more wanting to get to the heart. What, are, what is the heart of someone who has this gift of giving? Number one, Christ is enough, so we should give. Matthew chapter 19, there's this rich young man, this rich young ruler, who comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, you know the commandments, obey them. And he comes back and says, Well, I've actually kept them all since my youth. And that's quite a claim, actually. And then Jesus, it says, he looks at him and loved him and says, One thing you lack sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And come and follow me, radical statement. Jesus only ever said it to one guy. (laughs) But it says this man, this young man, walked away downcast, sad. His face fell because he had such great wealth. And what was Jesus trying to tell his disciples? I am enough. If you're following me, it doesn't matter how much you have. I am enough. Contrast that to his other disciples, and when he called them, they were fishing the family business with their dad. It says they left everything and followed him at once. It was an immediate response. They had this conviction, Christ is enough. They might not have known everything about Jesus at that point, but they recognized he's enough. And if we can hold on to this truth that Christ is enough, that he's the one who holds my world and my life together, suddenly our hands open and we start to grow in this gift of giving. We don't live for the here and now, the possessions that so many others accumulate on planet earth. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus said very directly, very kind of in our face, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. Later in the same discourse, he says, well, don't worry about tomorrow. Why are you worrying about your clothes? If God, your Father, who is good, can clothe the flowers so beautifully, will he not clothe you, who is so much more valuable? If he can feed the birds, will he not provide for your needs? Out of all his creation, we're the most special. Do you know why? We're made in his image No other creature, not even the angels, can say that they're made in the image of God. We are more valuable, not because of our inherent worth, because God puts value on us. And so he says, don't worry, I am enough. When we understand this, that he is enough, we start to function more in this gift of giving. Think of another picture. Jesus said that he was the living water, And if part of our job is to help other people see Jesus and meet them, it's like we're giving them cups of water that come from Jesus. But he's the ocean that never runs dry. We'll never run out of his grace and love and mercy and protection and provision and power and freedom. Paul says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. There's a man who realized Christ is enough. And when Christ becomes enough, when we hit that kind of watershed moment in our lives, we're able to give from any position, whether we have a lot or whether we have very little. doesn't matter what we have. When Christ is enough, everyone has something to give. Number two, people are enough, so we should give. I love this scripture in Acts 2, verse 42. It's a description of the early church, this church in Jerusalem before the persecution broke out. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. We're going to break bread at the end of this morning's meeting. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What a mind-blowing scripture. Here's a church who's generous, who's giving, who saw need and made a plan to meet that need. They sold their mountain bike and gave it to someone who needed a car service. Whatever, you know, fill it in the blanks. Candice and I, we enjoy driving around the complex we live in. And looking at other people who are busy renovating their houses. We did a renovation project about three or four years ago. It was stressful. But we love seeing how other people modify their house. It's just interesting for us. So we often will take a different route home in our complex and see what have this house done this week? What have these guys done? Oh, they're doing it like that. It's just interesting for us. Last Sunday after church, driving home with the kids in the car, and Finley, our youngest, he's about three, just over three, he says, Dad, can we go down this road today? I'm like, it's not a normal route home, but okay, he wants to look at a house. I don't know what house he wants to look at, so deviates down this one road, and about 100 meters down, we come past this nice house, but it's... It it hasn't had any renovations done. It's been the same for years. As we drive past it, he looks at it and he says, very matter-of-factly, for a three-year-old, he says, hmm, that's coming along well. (laughs) I'm like, what three-year-old says that? Like, I don't even know if he knows what it means. But he's obviously heard mom and dad in the car before when we've driven past the house undergoing renovations. Like, oh, that's coming along well, hey? He's just copying what he's seeing. He's modeling his speech on his father. And what this early church did, why were they so generous? They modeled it on their father, God who is generous. When we see Christ, we see that other people are important to Christ, like this early church, enough to sell their possessions. Matthew chapter 22, the Pharisees asked Jesus his opinion. What's the greatest commandment? They're trying to catch him out because actually they're all important, right? Well, They're trying to trick him. And he says, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all of time, he says, love God. And as you start to love God, you will see how much people matter to God and you will start to love people. They become important. Have you ever thought about that phrase, love your neighbor as yourself? Not your physical neighbor, but your fellow man. That's what Jesus was referring to. Have you ever thought about it? I'm kind to my neighbor. I message them once or twice a year. We had new neighbors move in a couple of years ago, not neighbors, but three, three houses up. We baked them brownies. That was kind, It's good to be civil and to be pleasant and to exchange pleasantries across the fence. But have you we think about how you love yourself. Now Jesus says, Love your neighbour, your fellow man, in the same way that you love yourself. I'm not gonna unpack that today, but that's that's mind blowing. That's massive. It doesn't seem like we can take anything with us when we go to heaven. You can't take your favorite pair of shoes. You can't take your whatever your most favorite thing on the planet Earth is. I've got a friend who collects watches. He can't take his watches to heaven as much as he loves them. You just, there's nothing it seems you can take with you. But the Bible does speak about a reward when we get to heaven. And that reward is dependent on how we've lived, our decisions, where we've spent our time and our energy. So we can't take anything with us, but how we live determines the reward we get in heaven. In other words, how we've impacted the lives of other people with our living. And doesn't it make sense then to invest our time, energy, wealth, treasures, gifts, talents into something that will bear an eternal fruit rather than something that's only for the here and now? It's a much better investment, wouldn't you agree? because when you get there, you enjoy it forever. Billions and billions and billions of years. The stuff we enjoy on earth is pleasant, but it's, it's temporary. It's gonna fade, the Bible says. Person sitting next to you, have a look at them. Look left, look right, look behind you. <laughs> there was a person sitting next to Dean. Come <laughs> to the mother's room. The person next to you is eternal. Your boss is eternal. Your colleague is eternal. Your family member is eternal. That's what's going to go to heaven. People. Surely it's a better investment of our life to benefit others, to impact them for the kingdom, rather than just using it selfishly. The world we live in is all about me and what I have and what I can get, dot, dot, dot. But it's people that are Eternal can be quite easy also to judge people. You're driving in your car and there's a beggar at the robots. We could say in our hearts quite easily, well, it's your bad decisions that got you there. I'm not gonna give anything to you. On the other side, we could look at someone driving a fancy car and say, well, you're so wealthy, you don't need me to buy you a cup of coffee. Actually, that's our heart in the wrong place. Do you see that? We need to repent sometimes and evaluate and check our hearts. Because the only judge is Jesus. And when he died on the cross for everyone's sin, we realize that every person, every single person is worthy of blessing. And it's our job to love people, not to judge them. Amen? I'm not saying that we should practice our giving recklessly. We should practice our giving without wisdom. We should give wisely as God directs us. So I'm not saying throw all of common sense out, but Paul says when you give, give generously. When we start judging people, when we look at situations, very easy to find a reason not to give. The moment we keep doing that, we'll find that we'll never give because no one will be good enough in our judgment system to benefit from some kindness from me. Proverbs 3.27 puts it like this. Do not withhold good from those who need it when it's within your power to help. Yeah. Oh, what a scripture. Last year, I met a guy called Dusty. He's from another church in another province. He's a pastor there. And he tells a story about one time where he was in Starbucks having coffee, paid for his coffee, walked outside, and he, he sees a, a youngish woman begging And she's very thin, she's got sores all over her body, she looks frail, and you know, you feel awkward when you're confronted with someone, he tried to kind of walk away, and he felt the Holy Spirit nudging him, and so he starts engaging with this young woman, eventually takes her inside, they sit down and they talk, and he he hears her story, and he says he's not sure how much of it he believed, if you've ever been duped by a good story, put up your hand like I have. But he, but he said, it was clear she was ill, that she was poor, and that she was in need. So he asked her, what do you need? No, I just need some milk for my baby. So he looks at her and he says, well, that, that can help you for now, but that's not going to change your life. Is there something else I can do to really help you? And she thinks about it and she says, well, actually, if I could get back to my grand, that would change everything. How much is the bus ticket he asks. 480 rand, she says. He goes to the ATM and draws 1,000 rand. Gives it to her. She falls on her knees, hugs his legs, starts weeping. He picks her up. There's this, this skin and bone. He hugs her. She's crying on his shoulder. And he just whispers in her ear, Jesus loves you. God's got so much more for you. Friends, people are enough. A few years ago, I went on a mission trip to Lesotho with some other guys in the church. And Tokozo was on that trip. Uh, Dean was, not this Dean, the other Dean was there. Christo, Marlene, Albert, and Deirdre, we all went to Lesotho for a weekend on a mission trip. And on a Saturday afternoon, we were kind of walking around the area by the church, these little houses dotted on the hillside. We're just walking around, talking to people, sharing the love of Jesus, praying for them. And we came across this one lady sitting down, and uh, she was probably about middle-aged, and she was very overweight. She was very large. Might have been a condition, a medical condition, I don't know. But she could hardly walk. And her face was disfigured. Her mouth was all skew. Her one eye was blind. When we looked at her, it's, it's, attractive was the last word, honestly, that came to our minds. She, without disrespecting her, she looked ugly by human standards. But as we talked to her, we realized, actually, this woman loves Jesus. And so we talk with her a bit and we pray with her. And as we're praying for her, like I just have this wave of compassion and love for this woman. And for me, and I'll be vulnerable here, the gift of mercy, if you've done that online questionnaire, that's like at the bottom for me. So when I feel compassion, I know it's the Holy Spirit. I'm not not naturally compassionate. If you've got a sad story and you want a shoulder to cry on, Go to someone else, <laughs> this is not me, I'm not the guy, honestly, but I'm growing in it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey, um, but I'm praying for this woman, and I think there are three of us at the time, when I just, I start weeping as the God's love for this woman just fills my heart, and I go and hug her, this is obviously before COVID, when you did hug strangers, and as I'm hugging her, I just, I have this picture, and I say to her, I can't wait to get to heaven one day, and climb trees with you. I don't know why I said that. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. She starts weeping. And we just have this moment. We're both crying, we're hugging, it's like the presence of God is there. And when you prayed for a healing, she never got healed. But people are enough for us to care. People are enough for us to love them, to pray for them, to allow God to work through us. Number three. Giving opens doors for God to move. So we should give. We can't buy salvation. We can't purchase physically with money other people to get saved. We can't do that. That's not how it works. But when we're generous, somehow we reflect the nature of God because he's a giving God. And people are surprised by excessive generosity. And they'll often ask, why are you doing that? And we can answer, well, Jesus died for people. They're important. I heard a story of a guy who, um, a young guy, who, who donated his kidney to a friend. And normally it would be a family member because they're a genetic match, etc. And so you don't often have friends giving each other kidneys. And he's on, he's, he's having an examination by the doctor, the guy who was giving the kidney. And the doctor started asking, well, Why are you giving your kid? You know, it's my friend. I've known him for a few months. I don't even think it was a close friend. What do you, but you don't know the guy very well. He's not your family. This is, he had a chance to share the love of God with his doctor because he was being generous with his organs. (laughs) Generosity is more than money, friends. But generosity opens up people's hearts and minds because it's unexpected in our world. And moments for us to share the love of God can just happen like that. God doesn't live in a building, but he does use buildings like this one. At the moment, we're renting this building, but it's too small for us. Our kids' facility is jam-packed. It's three doors up here. We're at kind of max capacity. Someone asked me the other day again, when are we going to have tea and coffee at the back like we used to do before COVID? We've got a nice cappuccino machine, that silver thing right in the corner there. If you Have a look, it's, it makes amazing coffee. Why can't we have tea and coffee? All the other churches are doing it. So I have to like answer, well, if we had a big outdoor area with airflow, we could take our masks off and have coffee. And, and anyway, all those people at the back there, that's where the tables would go. We don't have space. We need a new venue. We're looking, God, what is the next step in the journey of Hope City Church? But what if we end up buying a venue? That's going to require all of us generosity to help pay for the deposits. Above our tithe, that's challenge. Our giving, friends, why would we do that? Because we want other people to come and meet Jesus. We want other people to come to a worship night and experience the presence of God. To be touched by God, for God to speak to us. That's why we have worship night to, to come before Him. We want others to come and experience this, amen? We're not doing this for ourselves, we're doing it for those who don't yet know God. It's going to require generosity. I don't know who gives what to the church. I know how much I give, I know how much I tithe, but I don't see the bank accounts. We have an an accounting company that takes care of all that. But our accountant said, hey, someone put in 240,000 rand into the church bank account. It was a tithe. I was like, that's the biggest tithe this church has ever received, 240K. And you know what, friends? That's not generous. That's a tithe. That's returning to God what is God's. I hope that person, whoever they are or you are, That you're also generous and not just tithing. Because Paul says give generously. Amazing. Surely Jesus is the best example that we have of generosity. His death opened up amazing doors for you and I. Eternal life. Salvation because he died. We have access now to the Father because Jesus died to forgive us our sins surely we should be showering other people with this divine generosity that we've all received freely out of gratefulness for what God's done John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave. so love equals giving God so loved that he gave not that he thought about giving Not that he had warm, fuzzy feelings. Oh, shame the humans on earth. No, God so loved that he gave. To love is to give. And when we love God, as Jesus says, when we love people, not we love blessing, because some people say, ah, I give because God can bless me. The, The wrong side of the prosperity gospel. When we try and, twists God's arm to bless us because we're only giving for that motive. I think God is so gracious, he blesses us anyway. He does because he's a gracious God. But far more important is the impact that my giving can have on other people, the eternal fruit that my giving and your giving can have on the lives of other people. John Wesley put it like this. He says, do all the good that you can, by all the means that you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people that you can, as long as you ever can. Amazing quote. And friends, isn't that the essence of the gospel? Didn't Jesus do that and so much more for you and I? My car, my house. My time, my money, my organs. Christ is enough. People are enough because God loves people. The only thing he's building into on planet Earth is people. And our giving, friends, however that giving happens, opens doors for God to move, for God's kingdom to advance. i ask Ainsley if he's... Or, Maybe it's come up or Candice. We're going to break bread now. And as you came in, you should have... Uh, Ainsie's there. Thanks, buddy. You should have got one of these prepackaged little communion packs. If you haven't got one, you can grab one from the front. And if you haven't used these before, they're really tricky. I struggle to open them. It's got two layers. The top layer is a clear cover. It's got a, um, if I may be so direct, a very tasteless cracker. But it's, it's not, it's a symbol. The bread is a symbol of the body of Jesus, broken that we could be made whole. The grape juice or anything red, I've had strawberry juice before, it's a symbol of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our forgiveness. If you're not a believer, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, this is not going to mean anything to you. So I'd ask you not to take part of this this morning because it's, it's of no value. This for us as Christians is a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, be careful how you do this. Assess your heart, be sober, reflect, repent if you need to. But friends, as we break bread now, give your yes to God maybe God's been challenging on something, whatever that is, say, God, today I give you my yes. Whether it's about giving or about another gift or another situation, you don't need to know the whole road. You just need to give your yes for the next step. So Father, as we break bread now, as you remember the cross, as you remember Jesus' body that was broken, Lord, we're so grateful that Jesus, you... Paid a price that you didn't owe. You paid a debt that was not yours, that we could go free from a debt we could never pay. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Father, as we break bread now, we ask for your presence, for times of refreshing, for your spirit. We ask for healing in our bodies, we ask for breakthrough in our lives. We ask, Lord, and we present our hearts to you this morning, and we surrender, and we say, would you give us your heart for people? Would Christ be enough for us in every circumstance? That whether we have little or much, we would have a heart to bless. Looking at God our Father, the great giver, we'd model our lives on our Father in heaven. Jesus, we are so grateful that our sins are forgiven. That you have wiped them away as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, Lord. The old has gone. The new has come. That if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Father, we want to live In newness. We don't want to live in our past. We don't want to live in our sin. We don't want to live defined by what we did, but defined by what you say. We are a new creation. We are your beloved. We are your bride. Your banner over us is love. Jesus, would you make us a generous church? This is how they would know God is with us, that they love one another as Jesus loved them. Father, help us to excel in this grace of giving. And would you give us grace, Lord, to be able to open our hands in Jesus' name. Lord, would we be generous with the gospel, with our words, telling people about Jesus, bringing them to church, praying with them wherever we go. Would this gospel not be something we're stingy with or keep to ourselves? Jesus, you said freely you've received, so freely give. Lord, let us be those who are free because you are our heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would like to be prayed for in any way, please come down to the front. Some of our leaders will be hanging around here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to minister to you if you need that. Otherwise, have an amazing week. Just two reminders. Worship night on Friday. I love in Acts chapter 13, it says the church at Antioch, they're having a prayer night or a worship night. They're praying and they're fasting. And while they're worshiping, the Holy Spirit interrupts their meeting and says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas have a life-changing God encounter at a worship night. So friends, if you need breakthrough, I can't guarantee it. I'm not a come here and this will happen. But I know when we worship the Lord, when we come to Him, He can do supernatural stuff and that's for me worship night's about Acts 13 life changing moments where God breaks in and it's organic worship it's not super structured there's no sermon we can take time and just be in the presence of God so I'd encourage you make a plan to get here we're not going to have child care so please make a plan for your children you've got five days notice but, but do what you can to get here it's going to be amazing presence of God. You can't manufacture that. And when we come together in faith, just something happens. Next week Sunday, if you're new to church, you've been visiting for a few weeks, next Sunday after the meeting, we would love to spend just 45 minutes with you telling you who we are, our history, our values. Please put your name on the clipboard at the back so we can cater for you. Amen. Have an amazing week, guys. Bye-bye.